Welcome to Just Dads Reading Books, a podcast about getting to know your kids based on what they read. This is produced by Matt Martins and EJ Sanders. Music by Russian Baths. Howdy and welcome to Just Dads Reading Books. I'm here with my friend EJ. And I'm here with my friend Matt. Boy, howdy. Okay, guess what? We're back at it. And I'm sad. I'm sad today. Actually, you know what's really funny is we were... Last time we did an Avatar book, we did Dawn of Yangchen mm-hmm. just a couple weeks ago. Oh, boy. And in it, we were like, oh, man, FCE's the best. Let's keep it going. And then, like, yeah. immediately after recording that episode... I like posted about it too and was like, I love this guy. And then our discords were like, he's done doing that forever. This is the last one. So guess what, everybody? I'm really sad today to be talking about FCE's final Avatar The Last Airbender book, The Legacy of Yang Chen. Yeah, they did say they were taking a break. Mm -hmm. We don't. We don't know if it's the last one forever, but it sure. does sound he's he's it done, does sound like but he's 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 not shutting the door. He could always come back in the future, but he is right. done for now. Yeah. Well, I mean, and look at this as an exciting opportunity both for FCE because FCE. Well, let's just let's just give the praise where it's due, and we we have been, but FCE yeah. is incredible. I mean, yeah, really good. FCE. We haven't read his other books yet, right? Um, but. Um, we will be reading them, and I imagine, Matt, that yeah. we will not be disappointed. Yeah, I mean, I, it's interesting, though, because it'll be, it will be tough to dive into, like, a world that isn't established, right? Like, obviously, FCE gets the benefit of just, mm-hmm. like, I'm implanting myself on this world where we kind of already have assumptions, but our big draw to him is how much he adds to that world, but yeah. it, it just it I think it will be interesting and the challenge will be to see how he does when he is generating this world whole cloth on his own. You know what I mean? The uh, the yeah, epic he, crush series or whatever is is his he has two books of his own. And I just wonder how that world looks in comparison. Yeah, he he has the uh, he has the benefit of being able to take essentially a world and subvert our expectations. Yeah, currently. Right. Because a lot of what we know about Avatar via watching the show, you get to get to play with that with the with the the reader because yeah. the reader is assumedly read this. Now, what's fun about it is that you don't have to have watched the show right. to to read these books. You don't have to have done that because they stand alone. Right. right. They are. Right. They're, uh, you know, holistic. Uh, in that way yeah is that the word for it it is, is that yeah right yeah they're they're with they're contained within themselves um right also just kind of at the top here while we're talking about like where this series goes from here they have already announced who the next writer oh, is awesome. and the next mm-hmm. like series essentially uh randy ribay uh is yep. from the philippines and has won a number of middle grade fiction awards uh for previous books like uh patron saints of nothing and after the shot drops and uh he is picking up the series with a book about Roku, which is the uh, fire avatar right before Aang, which I find interesting because uh, so far <laughs> the mm-hmm. the formula has worked really well. Let's go yeah. a couple avatars back. 
right? And so we have kind of like a self-contained world. There's a generation on either side that we don't know much about, which means we get to just have a story very isolated. And Yang Chen is two back from Kiyoshi. Same story. Right. For Roku, it's like... We know about the world before, and we know a lot about the world right after, and we know a lot about Roku already. So the yeah, challenge yeah, I mean, for Randy is, uh, is I would say, very high. Listen, Randy, I want to like you. That's all I know. Yeah. All I know, Randy, is I want to like you. Okay, <laughs> so you've got that going for you. Okay, you've got the fact that I want to like you. Yep. Okay, yep. so I'm not saying don't, you know, I'm not saying don't mess it up, yeah. but I'm but I am saying, like, maybe, you know, do your best work here. Hey, my guy. I I'll, I'll put it a different way. I'm saying it will be hard for you to mess it up. I am <laughs> fully on your side, and I'm invested in your success. So, like, more power Randy, to you, Randy. I am, too. <laughs> I am, too. I am, too. I'm just joking with you, Randy. We're still buds, right? We're, we're still, still buds, buds right? So, yeah, we're still buds. <laughs> Let's talk about today's actual book, though. The Legacy of Yang Chen is a sequel to The Dawn of Yang Chen. Um uh, mm -hmm. And if anything, too, it's hard to say if this one is like more of a sequel than the two Kiyoshi books, right? The, put a different way, the two Kiyoshi books, there's like a book and then there's a thing that really feels like, oh, we got, we, we, that was approved of. I can now write a sequel. Let's kind of backtrack and work stuff in and come up with a sequel. Whereas Legacy of Yang Chen feels like a part of Dawn of Yang Chen. They are really m much more holistic, like they, they are one story together basically, because the events of Dawn of Yang Chen do not, like, finalize. Uh, the big thing that happens at the end of Dawn of Yang Chen is there are these firebenders with this kind of uh, nuclear missile power, basically. Uh, the Fire Nation has access to the nukes, and we don't resolve that conflict at the end of Dawn of Yang Chen. We, they are on the loose, and Yang Chen has to continue to figure out how to sort that problem out amongst many other problems that come up in this book. But that is like there is a complete direct through line between the two books. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's it's clear at the end of, of the Kiyoshi books, right? Yang Chen makes an appearance. Yeah. So we know that there is like a universe that is building off of what FCE has already done. Right. right? FCE has right. basically essentially laid the groundwork. And like you said, um, you know, getting that forward in that first book from Michael Dante DiMartino and mm -hmm. the excellent reception that that first book got yeah. allowed FCE to set up the rest of these books right. in the way that he wanted to set them up. But uh, just contained within itself, right? We talk about legacy of Yang Chin today, and this book is better than almost any intrigue book I've ever read. <laughs> this book, yeah, like you, we read The Spy That Came In From The Cold, uh -huh. which is a really, really good book for yeah. our book club. Right. Okay, we read that book. It's pretty good. It's like, good. that's a pretty good intrigue yeah. book. Um, you know, there's a lot of like kind of double agent stuff going yeah. on, like Ocean's fun, Eleven like, twists, like the, mm -hmm. you know, weird, weird stuff yeah. like this. Yeah, this is a spy novel through and through. What's cool about this type of spy novel, though, because this is where FCE absolutely crushes, okay? Yeah. This is where FCE excels past a lot of authors that I've read to this point in my life, which is FCE sets up the scenario to where the, the spies themselves know that the, like the people who are being spied on uh -huh. know that they are being spied right. on always <laughs> right. yeah 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 always the world is, is established awesome. as a like nobody trusts each other nobody this trusts is, each this other. is already like act two of clue 
<laughs> right? right? Like where it's like everybody's looking at each other. Anyone could be the murderer. Uh, but it's, it is, yeah, this, it makes for like really good political intrigue on top of just yes. like standard kind of spy adventure stuff. Yes. Um, the, the, the most kind of interesting aspect of this book is the storyline of the first one is very much who's this guy? Kavik. Uh, Kavik is mm-hmm. trying to be, is, is becoming a companion of the Avatar. And generally, we understand that Avatar companions are like beloved friends. But Kavik is basically being like extorted and blackmailed into being in the Avatar's service. And that doesn't end well in the first book. And they are yeah. at odds. And then Why they are it? brought back together <laughs> in this book. And they're not even necessarily seeking to mend their they're relationship. They are just forced to be together th- for the rest no, of this book. I will and it's, say it's an interesting it dynamic. Look, it does get a little steamy between them, okay? <laughs> There's some moments in the book where I'm like, all right, okay. Like, Kavik, I see. I see you out here, you know, working your working your magic. But, yeah, Kavik's a really good character. Yeah. Like, I would say it's it's so fun because these books, like you said, are actually carried by a non-Avatar character, right? right. Um, which is very interesting. It's different from Kiyoshi because yeah. Kiyoshi, it's a very much uh, a very uh, self-portrait mm-hmm. type of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's very much about Kiyoshi. It's very much about her thoughts. Right. These books are not. These are more well, third person. And and right? I love that because at this point. You've got mm-hmm. the story of Aang coming to terms with being the Avatar. You've got the story right. of Korra coming to terms with being the Avatar. You've got the story of Kyosha coming to terms with being the Avatar. It, at that point, it does feel a little played out. Little and you can tell that there's no reason for FCE to do that. Again, we don't need to see Yang Chen become the Avatar she will someday be. There's elements of that right. as there are with anybody. Like oh, uh, the, the human condition is never final. Right. So you just keep going. Right. But to make the story about this other character dealing with the politics surrounding the Avatar, uh, I I think is a fascinating perspective to pull it from. And this book is definitely really focused on that idea of this world exists where everybody knows this being called the Avatar is out there and that the Avatar is there to keep the balance and what does the balance like even mm. mean and there what are ways to that mean, and, and there's you know to it's it's like the same thing as being like oh, i'm neutral in this and it's like well there's no yeah. such thing because you're involved or you're not and not to be not exactly. involved is still a choice basically and yes. so much of this book is about that is about what is like what is that what are the ramifications of a world where there's this right. person at the center of everything and wouldn't yeah. everybody be trying to constantly influence that individual yes. in a million different ways and this book oh, is Matt. like a dozen characters all trying to wrest control of yang chen it's, it's funny because it makes you wonder about how avatars passed like if this is how avatarhood was up until and this is the person because this is what I want Randy to do. Uh-huh. Randy writes this Roku story, yeah, yeah. whatever. I love Roku. Everybody loves Roku already. <laughs> Maybe he makes Roku kind of a heel and actually a bad person. That'd be kind of fun. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'll we got to hear about Kurok. It's yeah, point. right. And the I, failure, the failure like, avatar. A, <laughs> there is a clear like there's just a clear line between yeah. whatever happened with Kurok mm-hmm. and the avatars after him versus. Kurik's dividing line backwards, right? Yeah, right? Yang Chin lives in this world where the Avatar isn't really protected. 
right. by um, their companions or yeah. the people around them or their mentors. Right. Yang Chen lives in a world where you grew up in the air temple like a normal person. Yep. You you go out into the world like a normal person, mm -hmm. and you are just the avitar. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's you have to be works. both. Like, you have to be both. And, she, and she's she trying to, to wrestle with that. Convince people to become her companion. Yeah, exactly. Like she kind of lay. I, what it sounds like is she kind of lays the groundwork for companionship. Right. In a, in a way, like or at least in the modern companionship as we know it in the later Avatar series yeah. and everything else. Right. right. Um, she lays the groundwork of. You you need to find people who have like minded ideas, mm -hmm. and like you need to find people who you know also uh, think a little bit differently than you too, right. because it's important that we have you know some control in the situation. So so it's very interesting this book how she basically winds up with Kavik, yeah, whether she likes that or right. not, right? She she ends up with Kavik, and in this book she doesn't like that because yeah. of what Kavik did in the last book, right? And uh, yeah, and then hijinks ensue, dude. It's this is a fun freaking book. This yeah. thing, this thing romps. I mean, yeah. It, I mean, from the from the dinner party to the freaking game they <laughs> the play, dinner party. I mean, it's yeah. There's the a whole wild. The dinner party scene. There's a scene early on in the book <laughs> that is literally just yeah. like I. I don't even know how to how to put it. It it's is Game it, of Thrones. It's, dude. It is it's a Game of, Thrones Game of Thrones scene. <laughs> it is it is just a scene where everybody is trying to play each other. There's like a game of essentially poker being yep. played. There, uh, it's it's you know there it's not poker. It's some in universe thing, but it's some game of odds and risks and betting and all of that. And yeah, we have like a cliche casino royale scene play out yeah. where they're trying to get the better of each other the whole thing is we're still dealing with a lot of anti-capitalist rhetoric uh yang chin is a big time anti-capitalist <laughs> and is trying to basically we still have all of these uh kind of people in charge of cities that are 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 they're like a governing body and they're meant to like help out the earth kingdom or whatever, but they've gotten so greedy that they're really just sort of like driving these cities into the ground by like overtaxing or, or whatever it is like all the number of ways that, you know, people interrupt trade and stuff to get their, their fair share, uh, not fair share, I guess I should say. Uh, but Yang Chen's big ploy here is to essentially win a, a game of poker against this guy but the guy is cheating in the middle of it. Like they can tell, well, Yang Chen cannot tell. And then at right. some point in the scene, Kavik, Kavik a, a, a professional thief and swindler, yep. uh, pulls her aside and is like, Yang Chen, we're, we're screwed here. We're, we're, we're being cheated against. And Yang Chen's like, huh? <laughs> right. I mean, essentially, though, this guy is basically getting a royal flush every hand. Right. This is kind of what exactly. it comes down to, right? Like, it's like Kavik's like, this is so obvious, and Yang Chen is just kind of an oblivious. Just oblivious. To like, it. it's weird because Yang Chen is so um, elegant mm -hmm. and so um, uh, measured in the way that she talks to people. Right. Right. And so it's so interesting because she's very smart. She's mm -hmm. very, very smart. It's one of those things, though, where it's like a. It's a book smart versus street smart exactly. sort of dichotomy that we have between Kavik and uh, and Yang Chen. So yeah. Yang Chen is getting swindled, and Kavik's like, "Listen, dude, you're getting swindled. Yeah, yeah. And we're gonna turn this around. <laughs> and you need to know that we need to do the swindling right. because it's the only winning situation is for us to cheat the yep. other way. And honestly." That is uh, in a microcosm like the whole book, right? The whole book yeah, yeah, is about awesome. Yang Chen learning <laughs> from Kavik and kind of coming to uh -huh. this understanding of like the Avatar has this place of power and has all this meaning behind it. 
And, but if you want to get stuff actually done, you can't beat cheaters. You have to cheat right back at them. You have to find right. a way. And wrestling with that is also directly going against so much of her air nomadic teachings. Uh, and this in this book, uh, to, to talk some spoilers, she is essentially like removed from the air nomads. She is no longer allowed in the northern air temple and she is exiled uh, from them or whatever, exiled from their, you know, religion or whatever you want to call it. She's she's kicked out. And, um, you know, that's kind of meant to be our like our big cost. Kavik is kind of the only person who knows that this has happened besides the ones kicking her out or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it essentially costs uh, her her entire past is what's happening to Yang Chen. Her identity is getting so wrapped up in her avatar dumb that her history is is being removed from her and being taken away. And she has to take that and run with it. She has to be like, okay, that's that is my lot in life is to be this avatar. It's the hand I was dealt, and I have to like do whatever necessary to to you know beat the odds or whatever. And so much of this book is seeing her make choices where it's like that's dirty like that's playing very dirty and getting you know getting bad things happen kind of in a robin hood style you know she is stealing from the rich to give to the poor and sometimes it's not even as clear cut as that basically sometimes it's just like you are doing really messed up stuff and putting yourself into power uh in the hopes that you can do something with that power which is like kind of what arguably everybody's doing to a certain extent like so many positions of power are people maybe thinking they're doing something good but also trying to skim off the top for themselves i guess yeah yeah so we have we essentially we're in binner right and we yeah. have these folks called shang merchants yes okay um and there's one named shai si is that how you say it yeah shai si um who's the Zhangdu of jandari which is a, a fire nation spot right um but essentially that this person is like the most conniving person yeah. i've ever seen written on <laughs> and I, I i don't know how else to express it other than like maybe they're not like this is the coolest thing about what fce do, does mm -hmm. is he'll set up a character as like kind of like a skeevy person right, right. like super skeevy you're like okay i don't like this person he sets up this person chai as if they are like 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 totally like harmless and wholesome mm -hmm. and like every conversation she has with Yang Chen is just like, Oh no, it's like, you know, uh, you, you are, you're being outwitted, you know, and you yeah. can tell like there's this battle of wits going on between them uh, and Yang Chen. But all we're getting really is Yang Chen's perspective, which it's weird because we don't get, we only get Yang Chen's perspective in these scenes with the Shangs. Yeah. Um, and it feels like in those scenes, like, we are being influenced by Yang Chen's perspective yes, right. of this person. Right. And then in the end, this person turns out to be kind of a weak. Yeah. Um, you know, very, very morally weak, very, very weak person. Yeah. You know? And also um, being manipulated in their own way. It's like it it's right. deeper than just like, oh, they're the bad guy. See? It's like, right. no, they have these this whole host right. of issues they're dealing with. Some of it, like not even that big like some of it is just like i'm i have this kid and i'm trying i'm trying to like protect my kid as well while i'm in the position of power i'm in and everything like that and and there's just it, i i feel like there's just depth to everybody in in this story there's there's some sort of like unassumed depth to 
each of the characters where you never, you know, it, again, as always, and we've said this about all the other books, there's never just a bad guy. There's like a person doing bad things with very clear motivations as to why. Right. Let's talk about uh, the other character that is like a critical element of all of this that we haven't haven't okay. really dug up yet. Kalyon Cal uh, uh, is Kavik's brother, and mm -hmm. like halfway through this book, Kalyon gets introduced, and he's he's kind of just hanging out, and he's, he appears in their house, man. and he and and Kalyon is like the spy master or whatever. Uh, and Kavik is is a good little thief and everything, but everything he's doing is in the shadow of his big brother, and he's always trying to meet his big brother's standards. And all this time, Kalyan has been kind of like missing. He he appeared in the first book, but he he disappears. And Kavik and Kalyan are both kind of just trying to like get their family out of the bad city they're in and protect each other and all that. And Kalyan shows up and uh reveals this whole plot also surrounding the white lotus and these are the two yes. things that are like a big part of this novel the white lotus if you're familiar with the shows is this entity that's kind of like a neutral secret party that's trying to mm -hmm. keep it's trying to be sort of like a backup avatar it's like a group of people where it's like they claim some neutrality and in the later books they're like this almost dead society they're this echo of what they once were. There are only a few and in, in members. The Avatar, The Last Airbender, they're basically extinct. Yeah, it's Iroh, and that's it, <laughs> right? Like it's that, Iroh that. <laughs> and like his two friends, like the Swordmaster guy. Right, right. Yeah. So in this book, you know, four generations before that, we get a look at a very different White Lotus, and as a part of this spy novel, we get a picture of a White Lotus that is maybe almost nefarious uh they, they have their own power they're trying to get they, they claim neutrality they claim they're trying to do the best by people but their motivations if we're saying avatar the avatar will do kind of bad things for the the sake of good the white lotus will do bad things for the sake of power and no other motivations stated beyond that but then we're just supposed to kind of assume well i guess the white lotus is good so that power must be good but it's very questionable in this book. It's murky at best. And I, I think that the White Lotus, um, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it because I love the White Lotus, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like, and I think this is where this is where like FCE does a really good job of like framing things as not good and evil, right? right. There's never good and evil in FCE's books. Right. There's it people. <laughs> only people with motivations. Yeah. That's it. Like these folks have this motivation. Whether you decide whether or not that is a that is a uh, ethical or moral, mm -hmm. um, you know, bane or an ethical or moral boon, right? Yep. You you figure that out because there are some things that happen in this book, and I won't give them away because it's it's a good book and you should read it. Mm -hmm. um, but there are things that happen towards the end of this book where you find yourself thinking, "Oh, <laughs> was I rooting for the wrong person?" <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, so, yeah. That happens not just with White Lotus, but also, I mean, honestly, sometimes with the Avatar. There's stuff at the end of right. this book where the Avatar is choosing paths where yes. you're like, this, this seems bad. Like, this seems yes. like a very bad plan. And if anything, too, and it, it becomes... vocalizes it. And it becomes a play <laughs> on the book title. Like, what will right. be the legacy of Yang Chen? Right. And what we are toying with is, like, is the legacy of Yang Chen going to be that she was this weird, conniving, 
like trade master that like manipulated <laughs> these these small and then, and mirrors we, or whatever. And then the fact that we know that the legacy of Yang Chen is that she's one of the greatest yes. avatars right. of all That's time. Always in the back of our mind is this whole book is about you've been told she's amazing and look at yes. how bad look at how amazing got. she is, yeah. right? <laughs> It's so smart. It's yeah. so smart. Like he could have easily just been like he could have written an entire book that was just like, uh, yeah, she is amazing, and yeah. these are all the amazing things she did. And also, also like people bowed down to her. Yeah, every time, everywhere she went. Right. And it was so easy for her. Like she, it was so simple. <laughs> like th this is what being the Avatar was like. Yeah. And then you, and then like that could have been the book, and it would have been boring and bad. Right. And instead, it's this crazy. In like just absolutely nuts yeah. way of approaching micro politics, macro politics, yeah. ma you know, microeconomics even right. at, at some points <laughs> in this freaking book. Yeah. Where you're sitting there and you're like, Well, geez, dude. And then like macroeconomics and the supply and demand stuff that they go into. It's like what yeah. well, we're having a whole freaking government course yeah. of 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 the Avatar universe, but at the same time, we are learning that Yang Chin is also adapting to the universe around her. Right, like she is learning too. Yeah, and it, I cannot stress enough how how great it is to have your characters learning throughout yeah. and growing throughout your books. Well, and and I love the part two of the book where it it really brings that to the forefront because she she's also still dealing with a lot of like kind of influence from previous avatars and and you know the, the in being an avatar you have the sort of the vestiges of avatars before you inside mm -hmm. of you and something that gets discussed a lot in this book is like all you have are choices with new problems these these problems never go away and so the story of yang chen like as a historical figure it's like oh she's the one who set up this like long-lasting peace but from yang chen's perspective there's always a new fire to put out. Like peace doesn't just exist. There are problems that crop up and you have to deal with them at every single turn. And sometimes those problems are because of some other choice you made in the past. You did something and that solved a problem, but it started a new problem. And it's just the right. never ending cycle. And I mean, this this book, some of the final chapters are about like society is never fixed and it's always bad and you always have to do everything you can to try to make things better. And it'll you'll never fully succeed, but that doesn't mean you get to stop trying. It's no, that's right. no excuse to stop. You must do your best at all it's, times forever. It's, it's your duty. It yeah. It is your duty to to make sure that you are doing what's best for everybody around you no matter what. Yeah. Because these there are bad people also. Right. <laughs> right. Or to, or they want to get money. Yeah. Or just <laughs> people making bad decisions too, right? Like there's just always yeah. that people can just be wrong or they can be nefarious. It doesn't matter. There's just always uh issues to face. Uh one other just small thing I wanted to to note mm -hmm. here kind of towards the end of this episode is one of the most interesting things this book does in the spy novel structure 
that I just wanted mm-hmm. to make mention of is the flashbacks that happen. And in an audiobook format, it was a- occasionally tough. a little tricky, a little tricky Pretty to figure tough. out what we were talking about. This book, I will say, was the hardest of the four books for me to follow. I still like really liked it and liked the world building it was doing. But like EJ said, it gets into like macroeconomics and then it's it also the weeds, it gets in the weeds <laughs> and that's cool. Like I want these books to get in the weeds. That's like I'm, I'm appreciating it even if it's like occasionally I kind of glaze through a chapter or, or a, a paragraph or something. And one of those moments that was occasionally hard to track, but if you could keep on top of it was amazing is they would do kind of the Ocean's Eleven thing of we would we would be kind of at the climax of the decisions these like spies are all making. And then the book will flashback to like six days ago with the group putting quote unquote, the plan together. And then it's basically like, let's flashback to reveal the lies. Everybody's actually been telling this whole time and reveal to you what's actually going on. And that happens like a number of times in this book uh, of like revealing people's priorities or revealing people's, you know, just inner thinkings or even just revealing what the plan was all along. You've been strung along at times. Maybe it can feel like a cheap trick of just like, you've been leading me down this whole road. And then you just sort of back up and be like, but it wasn't actually that all along it was this but it's the ocean's 11 thing right? i think it's i think it makes for good structure like I, I i think it makes the drama of everything more interesting so it's something i really appreciated from the book yeah it's it's incredible y'all like i i, I don't know how else to wrap up other than saying like overall this is like this whole series of four books is is some of the best stuff that we've read not just for this show but you know in my life mm-hmm. like it's it just kind of transcends what you can do. And, you know, we still call this young adult literature yeah. um, because, because really it is, it's a, it's in a world that can be ingested by, you know, the 16, right. 15, 16 year old crowd. Right. Um, and, and be really enjoyed because it's so fun. You mm-hmm. know, it's so, so fun. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're a 15, 16 year old person listening to this podcast right now, um, you should go read these books yeah. because they are fun and they're engaging and you don't need to go read Weathering Heights until <laughs> you're 25 years old or never. Like you don't need to go read uh, some boring classics when you can read some modern classics that are a lot more fun. It's yeah. just fun. Honestly, that, that is like the cry and shame of this is like right. these are great books that will never escape being an IP novel, right? That right. this is the world right. and that's true of so many ip novels right that's like there's, of course there's all sorts of like ip trash out there but there mm-hmm. is obviously and and i bet most of our like listeners, novels uh, most of our listeners could shout out <laughs> a dozen examples of some of their favorite books are these weird ip things but right. like that's just a writer putting in their hours you know what i mean that's and, and that's yeah. a writer too taking a task on right of like let me take your world and do something real with it and when they succeed like I just there's nothing like it to me uh, no. because when when you can put your like best foot forward in someone else's world I f- I genuinely find that more impressive oh. than I have full control over this world I get to make anything I want it to be right. how I want it to be so I have free reign when you don't have free reign but you still make something like magical like this it's it yeah. really is uh, there's nothing like it. Yeah, the restraints that you put on yourself can sometimes, uh, you know, put you in just enough of a box to where you actually get more freedom. Yeah. Because what happens is as a writer is when you start to become creative, you, you, 
get nearsighted about your own universe, right? You start to write into your own universe more versus taking something that is already got a nice picture frame around it and just creating something for that Mm -hmm. frame. Mm -hmm. And so it, it does feel very much like, Obviously, the Avatar universe is an incredible picture frame. Yeah. And all FCE did was uh, make a couple of masterpieces. <laughs> just He just made it. He just spit out a couple masterpieces. That's all. That's not like a big deal or anything. He it's just, like not a big deal, but like this is some of the best work I've ever read. So whatever. Yeah. It's, you know. it's really good, everybody. And if anything, I'm just very sad that I won't have more of it to read for like quite a while. I don't right. know when uh randy's books are set to like come out or anything like that but uh let's see it looks like not till next august do we can we expect the reckoning of roku august 20th 2024 um but i do know i have more excuses than ever to crack open my avatar role-playing book because there's lots of fiction in there There i don't know who all that's written by it's probably kind of a a legion of writers but it's about dang time uh, i busted those open uh and then i want to check out more fce but yeah for this show this is kind of our goodbye to the avatar universe for a while maybe except for actually hey ej you want to read the graphic novels with me yes (laughs) yes we do have to read the graphic novels we have to we have to uh yeah i want to say goodbye as well uh and what is it alvider saying is that what they say Uh, (laughs) in the sound of music Mm-hmm. So long, farewell. Um, I'll be saying good night. I hate <laughs> to go and leave this pretty sight. <laughs> That's the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs>Man, I'm on the Avatar Wiki, and somebody had a question here. Oh, okay, okay. Let's, yeah, we are Avatar Who experts. Who do you like more, <gasps> Iroh or Yoda? <laughs> what? Iroh. Iroh, completely hands down, forever and ever and ever. Uh, I would uh, smash Yoda with a shovel just to protect Iroh. <laughs> I love, uh, I just want to say that the top answer on here is I can't really choose either one over the other. Honestly, I'm just here for the results.